Thank you so much for joining me on this episode of Coaching Chaos. I was teaching Relief Society today and my Zoom meeting ended abruptly. It did give me a fair warning and I thought I had a little bit more time and I wasn't able to finish my lesson like I wanted to. So I thought, you know what? I've got the material. I'm going to finish it properly and share this message, this amazing story that I'm going to share with you, but it's based upon the conference talk called Pressing Toward the Mark. And it's from this last general conference in April. And I covered most of his talk, but like I said, I I definitely got cut off and I'm really sad about that. So I'm going to finish my lesson. It's by Elder Edward Dubay of the 70 and it's a wonderful talk. I encourage you to go back and read this. But he starts out by sharing and talking about Paul in his letter to the Philippians. He says, Yea, doubtless I count all things but loss for the knowledge of for the excellency of the knowledge of Jesus Christ my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count that but dung, that I may win Christ. And I just, I had to read that a couple of times because I thought, what is he meaning that he counts as dung? And then I realized that regardless of the pain and the suffering, trials, the stress in his life, anything that he has going on, he counts it as dung because he holds so sacred and so dear the knowledge that he has of Jesus Christ. And he continues by saying, and he found in him not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness, which is of God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. If by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which I also am apprehended of Christ Jesus. And he says, brethren, which I changed the word to, sisters, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let us therefore as many as be perfect, be thus minded, and if in anything ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. But that our goal is Christ. Just to have his knowledge, Paul was completely at peace. He lived his life in gratitude and in service and in cheerfulness because he simply had the knowledge of Jesus Christ and he pressed towards the mark of being near to him one day after this life that he would know him personally and the only way to do that is by conducting ourselves in such a manner in this life right now 
that we may qualify to be in his presence. He said that there is nothing worthy to be compared with than the glory which shall be revealed in us. And he was overwhelmed with joy, rejoicing and encouraging to all of them at that time and to us today. We all need to take courage from Paul. So I was thinking more about this after I shared this lesson. Who are the Pauls in our life that cheerfully submit themselves regardless of what they are going through, regardless of the pain and suffering that they are going through in their life today, that you find that they are still happy, they are still cheerful. Well, I experienced a Paul, but I didn't know it until several years later. Her name is Megan Hill, and just recently she lost her son, Jackson to a rare form of cancer and his funeral was just a few days ago. In 2015, we were living in Gunnison, Utah and as I would run into Megan, I would share with her my murmurings and my complainings, my strife, my sadness, frustrations, anguish of having moved to a small town after living in a larger city most of my adulthood and having been raised in a large city. Moving to a small city was difficult for me. I would complain to her when I saw her about the school or about the way that my kids were being accepted or not being accepted. And I would complain to her about things that were going on their dance team. And, and I'm picking my words carefully because I really am ashamed at the things that I was complaining to her about. And she was a friend that we would chat when I would see her at the pharmacy or I'd see her in the grocery store or I would see her at drill team competitions. She just always listened to me. She was so kind. And she just had little tidbits of good things to say back to me that were encouraging. And she wasn't into sharing with everyone else the things that I was I was talking about. She just knew that I was struggling and she just listened and she was there for me. Each time I ever met with her, she was kind and she listened. Fast forward several years later, we no longer live in Gunnison and we moved to another town and just a few weeks ago, I saw posts on Instagram and on Facebook about her son. His name is Jackson. And her daughter, who used to dance with my daughter on drill team, she had posted something about him. So I went over to the Instagram page and I got acquainted with Jackson. I encourage you to do the same. It's the number four underscore Jacko on Instagram. This young man lived an amazing life of goodness, kindness. You can see it in his eyes. And much like his mom, it appeared that he was a true friend that listened and was there for his friends. So 
during this time that I was complaining to Megan about my dung in my life, and Megan sat patiently listening to me, I had no idea that her son had recently at that time been diagnosed with cancer. She never once shared that with me. We moved and I lost touch with most of the people in the area that we had just moved from. And it wasn't ever on my radar that this family was struggling. He was in and out of the hospital and they were trying to treat this cancer. And it got to be where it was no longer treatable and they discovered more tumors. And ultimately, a few days ago, it took his life. I was at stake track this weekend, and my daughter says, there goes Jackson's brother, because we had been talking about it this week. And she said, and his mom is over there. I could not run fast enough to her. I wanted her to know how deeply sorry that I was for not being a better friend, for it being very one-sided, that it was all about my trials and how unhappy I was and how miserable life was in a small town and how much I hated this and how much I hated that. And she just always listened. She was always very kind. And I apologized to her that in her deepening trials, never once did I say to her, how are you doing? Not once. And I'm ashamed of myself for this. And I told her these things. I apologized and told her how grateful I was for her friendship. Even though all of those years have gone by and the struggles that she had with her son, I never reached out to her in kindness or concern to return the kindness of friendship that she was to me. I'm embarrassed to admit it. So in 2012, when this elder, Dubay, when he himself walked into a leadership meeting and was also feeling like maybe it was a mistake that he'd been called to that calling. I thought maybe it was a mistake that we moved to Gunnison. He was trying to figure out his place, thinking, I don't belong here. Elder Holland walked up and welcomed him and called him by his first name, Edward. So good to see you here. And he patted him on his face. He said, I felt like a baby. His love and embrace warmed him up and helped him to feel the spirit of belonging, the spirit of brotherhood. And the next day, at the next session of the leadership meeting, he observed Elder Holland doing the same thing he had done the previous day, warmly patting Elder Dallin H. Oaks's face, who is his senior apostle. He said, at that moment, I felt the Lord's love as we sustain these prophets, seers, and revelators. And that act of kindness helped him forget his own self-centeredness. How often we walk into a room of people at church or first day of school and we think, where do I belong? I don't know any of these people. This is awful. I'm miserable. I don't want to be here. 
I feel alone. I'm probably not dressed right. I have since learned from this conference talk how very self-centered that is. And I have since learned six years later that I was so inward when I knew Megan and Gunnison, never looking outward, what can I do to change my situation? What can I do to be there for someone else and make someone else's situation better? But often we are very self-centered. So Paul, in his letter to the Philippians, he's exhorting us to press forward, to forget that which is behind our past fears, our past focus, our past failures, our past sadnesses. He is, he is inviting us, just like our dear prophet, to a new and holier approach, to never look back. He talks about his mother, Elder Dubay does, in a previous conference talk that he gave, but he mentions it in this talk, that years ago when he was a young boy, he was working in the fields with his mother and he looked back and he saw all the work that they had accomplished already and he said, Mother, look at how much work we've accomplished. And she doesn't listen to him, she doesn't respond. Mom, look at all the work we've done. Impatiently, she stands up and looks behind her at her son and says, Never look back. Look ahead in what we still have yet to do. And he went back to work. There was still so much to do. How often we get caught up in the things that are pressing us, the the strifes and stresses and trials in our lives. We get caught up in that. Or we get caught up in how we used to be or how yes maybe we've repented but we haven't forgiven ourselves and we look back and we look back at how far we've come yes but there is still so much to look forward to still so much to accomplish and that was the lesson there so I shared a dry erase board and on it it says overcoming and then there was a blank line is a spiritual journey and so the sisters were to fill in their blank overcoming blank is a spiritual journey so as I read that sentence to you what is the blank that you would fill in there overcoming food addiction is a spiritual journey overcoming strife in my marriage is a spiritual journey overcoming What is your thing? Pornography is a spiritual journey. And I shared in my own personal notes a whole list of scriptures that I refer to when I am seeking to overcome something else in my life. So as I shared these scriptures, and I will share a few of them with you now, You can see how we can liken the scriptures to our lives and they're all geared towards helping us through whatever it is that we are in the midst of. I promise this. I promise that as we turn to our scriptures, Heavenly Father will show us. In Alma 44, 8, And now it came to pass that when Zarahemna had heard these sayings, 
he came forth and delivered up his sword and his scimitar and his bow into the hands of Moroni and said unto him, Behold, here are our weapons of war. We will deliver them up unto you, but we will not suffer ourselves to take an oath unto you, which we know that we shall break, and also our children. But take our weapons of war and suffer that we may depart into the wilderness. Otherwise, we will retain our swords and we will perish or conquer. I loved this because to me, Zarahemna was at least willing to make that first step. Sometimes we are not always willing to make that first step towards overcoming because it's almost like we are completely comfortable in our trial. We are completely comfortable in our grief and in our strife. And that is what that scripture said to me, that yeah, he was at least willing to give up his weapons of war, but he would not give him an oath and covenant. He was at least willing to make a first step. And so that's sometimes how I am, that I'm at least willing to make the first step in recognizing what I need to do to overcome whatever it is I'm struggling in. 1 Peter 5.8 Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. I loved, loved this warning. Alma 38.15 And may the Lord bless your soul and receive you at the last day into his kingdom to sit down in peace. Now go, my daughter, and teach the word unto this people. Be sober, my daughter, farewell. I feel like our Father in Heaven trusts us with what He's handing handing to us. He says, now go your way. Teach this word. Share with my people all that you have learned. And in 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become anew. In Mosiah 21.14, And they did humble themselves, even in the depths of humility. And they did cry mightily to God, even all the day long did they cry unto their God, that he would deliver them out of their afflictions. But as you can see here, that we first must be humble. And second, we must cry. We must pray mightily to him. And then I also have some conference talks. Prayers of Faith by Henry B. Eyring. As we remember Jesus Christ always, we might ask in silent prayer, what would he have me do? And so that circles back around how inward I can be when I am caught up in the dung of my circumstances in the moment. And when I'm caught up in this, I am selfish and I'm looking inward. I'm not looking outward. Had I just looked outward for a brief moment and simply said to my friend Megan, what can I do for you? But I was caught up in my own self-centeredness, my own selfishness of all the things that I had going on in my life. President Nelson said, are you willing to let God prevail in your life? Are you willing to let God be the most important influence in your life? Will you allow his voice to take precedence over every other ambition that you have? Are you willing to have your will swallowed up in his? I believe that there was a time that I wasn't. And there was 
six years since I learned about her son, that she was suffering, but she was still my friend. But don't you think that maybe in these six years, I went through some pretty intense learning and growth? And don't you think that in these six years, from my learning about Jackson and his sweet mama, that I was able to turn around and teach this lesson today about pressing towards the mark of Jesus Christ and becoming more like Him, that we may let go of our inwardness and our selfishness, becoming more like our Savior, reaching outward to the One, recognizing that someone else might be struggling and it isn't all about me. It it took six years for me to learn a very important lesson And in that lesson I learned this week, I've turned in and sharing that with you. That although it took six years to learn this, I hope that in just a few minutes of my sharing my huge aha moment with you, that you can in turn go and honor our Savior. Go honor that sweet boy that just recently passed away to cancer. Honor that mother who was vigilantly at his side, his family, his father, and look outward and see who you can serve because you have the example of someone else's willingness to serve and to listen and to be a friend to me even. Let God prevail in our lives so that As we have strife, if we have stress and struggle, it seems small. It is seriously considered dung because we look forward to the day that we can stand before our Savior and say, I have done everything that I can to be a good friend to everyone. I have done everything I can to look outward and not to be so selfish and looking inward only. Please accept me into thy presence. That is my goal. I'm grateful for the lessons that I've learned. I'm grateful for the wonderful example of Megan Hill and her beautiful family, her precious son, the knowledge that we have that we will get to see him again someday. Someday I will apologize to him that I wasn't a better friend to his mom, that I did not pay more attention to those around me who are suffering. I pray that we may all press toward the mark, even that of one day seeing the Savior, our elder brother, Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for joining me on this episode of Coach in Chaos, and I hope to see you next time.